Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Like I told you in the previous episode, I want to do an episode on Navalny today. Because you see, Navalny got sentenced to 19 years in prison. And he wrote a letter from his his prison through his team and his lawyer and everything. And I just wanted to, you know, chat about it. But then I found out how he has named his letter. And then you have to pay attention to it. Because Alexei Navalny has chosen to name this letter, My Fear and Loathing. And you know my love towards console journalism and everything. So if you use those two words in a sentence, they better mean something. You have to do it right. This um, this letter and the reaction to it took me on um, a bit of a, a bit of a rabbit hole trip. But I'll start by reading you the whole letter. It's com- it's coming from uh, Navalny's webpage, Navalny's team's webpage, Navalny.com. English version is there as well. And I'll get to why this is important that I read you the English version first. That's, uh, th- that'll make sense. Quote, this is, by the way, posted on the 11th of, uh, of August. Quote, I wanted to write about this for a long time. Well, let it be the first post after the new sentence. It's like a confession. I need to get over this loathing and fear. Maybe you can help me with this. Side note, you already can feel that he has uh, probably never read the books. Maybe just heard the name of it, which I find irritating. Mm, But never mind. Loathing. People ask me a lot about it. And I started receiving letters again. Do you hate the judge? Do you hate Putin even more? I have said many times before that hate is the main thing that must be overcome in prison. There are so many reasons for it, and your powerlessness is a strong catalyst for the process. So if you let it go... It will eat and end you up. I'll be honest. I have a hatred and I've got a lot of it. Old users of the internet will remember that that meme. I fiercely, wildly hate it. Something like this. Most often I have it after trials. He puts this this in air quotes. The last one, by the way, where I got 19 years, was not one of those. There, on the contrary, we all competed in showering each other with pleasantries. During the whole process, no one raised their voice once. This is the most dangerous kind of judge. They give you 19 years in prison and will also make you sympathize with them. I get furious after the sessions of the local district court. There are simple cases, there is no space for legal tricks, and the judges simply and frankly say about the black 
oh, this is white. Look, the reference uh, says white and make demonstratively illegal decisions. Sometimes I can't stand it and yell at some so-called judge, Samoylov, but it's not him I hate with my great hatred. I'm, I'm, by the way, reading from the Vietnamese official page. This is their official English translation. Not the cops, not the outlaws, thieves from the colony, not the FSB officers who command them. You'll be surprised, but not even Putin. At times like this, I hate people I previously loved, for whom I stood up, for whom I argued to the hilt. I also hate myself that I once loved them. A look, a single word, grammar error. I'm sitting in my shizo, and uh, I have to explain something for you. This is where we take our first break. This is the point where I understood that apparently Navalny's team were just using, um, I think, ChatGPT or some AI to translate this. Because, wow, yeah, literally zero grammar sense. Because Shiza is um, basically a kind of a holding cell, a jail, a special kind of single. It's a single specified holding cell, uh, except it's called Shizo in Russian, and due to the fact that Shizo also refers to schizophrenia, obviously, you know, Google Chat GPT just translated it to Shizo in English. And no one bothered to check. But I have to carry on. We'll get back to this. I'm just pointing things out that I'm reading as it's written on, on this page. I'm sitting in my Shizo and reading a book by Nathan Sharansky, Fear No Evil. I recommend it. Sharansky was jailed in the USSR for nine years, and in 1986, he was exchanged. He went to Israel, created a party, achieved great success. Oh, sorry. Success. With a single S at the end. In general, he's a cool guy. By the way, he spent 400 days in punishment cells in Shiza. I really can't imagine how he, how, he, how he survived. So, Sharansky describes the arrest and the investigation. 1977. I was one year old at the time. The book was published in the USSR in 1991. I was 15 years old at the time. Now I am 47, and while reading this book, I sometimes shake my head to get rid of the feeling that I'm reading my personal uh, file. For example, the Shizo slash PKT building is, is a separate barrack behind the barbed wire. The maximum term in the Shizo is 15 days. He means by, by uh, 24-hour periods, not just a day. I was not surprised when after several 15 days in a row, I was transferred as a persistent offender to a PKT for six months. It was exactly the same. In the introduction, I remind you the year is 1991, Sharansky writes that it is in prisons that the virus of free thinking persists, and he hopes that the KGB will not find an antidote to this virus. Sharansky was wrong. The antidote was found. The antidote that now, in 2023, seems to have more political prisoners in Russia than the Brezhnev and Ropov times. Again, again, I'm not making mistakes, I'm literally quoting you. This is all one long quote. What has the KGB got to do with it? There was no creeping or overt coup in our country led by people from the special services. They did not come to power by pushing the Democrat reformers out of power. They did it themselves. They called them themselves. They invited them themselves. They taught them how to fake elections, how to steal properly, property from entire industries, how to lie to the media, how to change laws to suit themselves, how to suppress opposition by force, even how to organize idiotic, stupid, talentless wars. That is why I can't help it and fiercely hate those who sold, drank, and wasted the historical chance that our country had in the early 90s. I hate Yeltsin and Tanya and Valya Chubais and the rest of the corrupt family who put Putin in power. 
I hate the swindlers, whom we used to call reformers for some reason. Now it is very clear that they did nothing but intrigue and take care of their own wealth. Is there any other country where so many ministers of the government of reforms became millionaires and billionaires? I hate the authors of the most stupid authoritarian constitution, which they sold us, to, sold us idiots as democratic, even giving the president the power of a full-fledged monarch. I especially hate everyone for the fact that there was not even a serious attempt to remove the basis of lawlessness, to carry out judicial reform without which all other reforms are doomed to failure. I'm studying this a lot now. In 1981, the RSFSR adopted a good concept of judicial reform, but already in 1993, counter-reforms aimed at building a judicial vertical began. At that time, all political forces wanted honest courts. There was a complete consensus in society. If an independent judiciary had been established, new, new usurpation of power would have been impossible or very difficult. So make no mistake. The thing that is now dashingly handing out 8, 15, 20-year sentences to innocent people started to be built long before Putin. Now it is clear. No one in the Kremlin and the government of the 90s wanted an independent court. That's because such a court would have been a barrier to corruption, election fraud, and the transformation of governors and mayors into irremovable princes. I had the, he puts it in quotes here, independent media and the, again in quotes, democratic society that provided full support for one of the most dramatic turning points in our new history, the fraudulent presidential election of 1996. Again, I was an active supporter of all this at the time. Not election fraud, of course, I wouldn't have liked it even then, but I did my best to ignore it and the general unfairness of the election didn't embarrass me even for a bit. Now we are paying for the fact that in 1996 we thought that election fraud was not always a bad thing. They didn't justify the means. I hate Oli oligarch Gushinsky, even if he's no longer an oligarch, because he blatantly hired Bobkov, the deputy head of the KGB who was responsible for persecuting dissidents. They thought it was a joke at the time. Ha ha, he put innocent people in jail and now he works for me. Kind of like a bear in the livery. So not only was there no illustration, there was the encouragement of villains. Now, literally, those people who worked for Bobkov's young employees are putting Yashin, Karamurza, and me in jail. We often hear that the Yeltsin government could not do anything because they, want, they, they were opposed by communists in the parliament. Nevertheless, this did not prevent the mortgage auctions of 1996, but for some reason it prevented judicial reform and reform of the security services. I hate the entire leadership of Russia, which in 1991, after the putsch, and in 1993, after the shooting of the parliament, had absolute power and did not even try to make obvious democratic reforms. For example, what was done in the Czech Republic, where there is now a democracy and an average salary of, uh, of 1,760 euros. Poland, democracy, an average salary of 1,680 euros. Estonia, democracy, and an average salary of 1,810 euros. Lithuania, democracy and an average salary of 1,959 euros, and other Eastern European countries. Here I have to put in the fact that um, those numbers are wrong. Not by much, but like about 100 euros off here and there. Just say. They are not the correct numbers, but it's fine. Carrying on. Of course, different people were in power then. Good people, honest and sincere too. However, this tiny minority whose desperate and unsuccessful struggle only shows us even better the corruption and shamelessness of the power elite back then. I was not with, it was not with Putin in 2011, but with Yeltsin, Chubais, oligarchs and the entire Komsomol party gang that called themselves Democrats that we went not to Europe but to Central Asia in 1984. We exchanged our European future for Villas of Tanya and Valya on the millionaire's island of St. Barth. 
But Putin's KGB FSB officers got free access to political posts. They didn't have to do anything. They just looked around and exclaimed in amazement. Wait, was that allowed? In the rule, if the rules of the game are like this, so that it's possible to steal, lie, falsify, censor, and all courts are under our control, then, we'll be ha- then we will have a pretty good turnaround here. Well, we let the goat in the cabbage warehouse, and then we wonder why, why it ate all the cabbage. It's a goat. Its mission and goal is to eat cabbage. I can't think of anything else. It's useless to agitate him. Similarly, Putin's FSB official can't think of anything else but to build a huge house and imprison those they don't like. Can't stand the goat, but I hate those who let it, let it in the cabbage warehouse. Though, of course, I realize that it's better not to hate anyone at all, but to think about how not to do it again. Here comes my greatest fear. I don't just believe I know that Russia will still have a chance. This is a historical process. We will again be at the crossroads. In horror and in cold sweat, I jump in my bunk at night. Jump up in my bunk at night. When I think that we had a chance again. But we again went the same way as in the 90s. Following the ends justify the means sign. Where it is written in small, in small letters, faking elections is not always a bad thing. Look at these people. What kind, of, what kind of juries are they? It doesn't matter that he's a thief, but he's a technocrat and stands up for bicycle lanes. Give these people a free hand, they will choose anything they want. The government is still the only European in Russia. Another wisdom of enlightened authoritarianism. What I have written about the 90s is not a historical exercise. Reflection of, me- reflection of meaningless complaining. It is the most important and most urgent issue of political strategy for all supporters of the European path and democratic development. I was impressed by the large collection of different opinions about our investigation of Alexei Venediktov and Ksenia Sabchak. They received tens and hundreds of millions of rubles from the budget fund, which served as a common fund for the United Russia Party. Venediktov received uh, 550 million right at the time when he was in charge of the observation headquarters and directly organized the theft of votes. He was the face, the agitator and the monitor of electronic voting, the purpose of which is to take your vote and put it in the stack of the United Russia Party's candidate. Falsifications of the early electronic voting system have been thoroughly proven and are beyond any doubt. So I was amazed to find out find a significant number of people for whom neither the elements of the scheme, money from the common fund and election fraud, nor their combination, money from common fund during election fraud, are either defamatory or significant. Come on, that's bullshit. Yes, something was going on there, but there's no proof that he was paid to falsify elections. Just paid and just falsified. That was all back in the mammoth times. It started as far back as 2019. No one remembers anymore. None of that matters. The important thing is that he's now against the war. As one of the tweets clearly says, what's the, what's the big deal as a national idea? This is just an exclusive example, but, but it, like the situation with Murzugalov, like Khodorkovsky's calls to take up arms and join Prigozhin's troops, shows perfectly well that even now, in the year of 2023, during the repressions, imprisonments and war, loyalty to principles is still questioned in our country, and is seen by many as naive, romantic and generally as a white coat. And, uh, in quotes. Personal loyalty, corporate affiliation and old friendships are seen by many as more important. I'm not suggesting in any way that Alexei Venediktov should be shot, hanged, or carefully trimmed. There is no need for any brutality. However, it is possible to not approve what he has done and does by keeping like, by keep telling us that the early electronic voting was not falsified and not consider him a political ally. Please, excuse me. If our political ally is someone who sells our votes to the United Russia Party, then who are we anyway? What are we here for? Let's all join the United Russia then. We'll create a faction of hardcore Sobyaninists that's what I call them. The basis is already there. Every hero of the ACF investigations will be immediately justified by the Dream Team. 
Ksenija Sabčak, Alexey Venediktov, Maxim Katz, and Kirill Martinov, a former Nashi activist and now head of the Novaya Gazeta for some reason. Everything will be fine. There will be plenty of money. We, solid Sabyanin's demand, immediately take the bad Putin away from us and give us the good Sabyanin and Mishustin, Shvalov and Likutsov. So don't doubt it. Tomorrow, we will have a new chance, that window of opportunity, and tomorrow we will have to deal with those who think that the elections should be cancelled or falsified. God forbid extremists will be elected. End quote. It's okay to bribe journalists. You know, in there in brackets. We don't pay anyone, we just ask an oligarch we know to buy this TV channel. Court should be kept on the hook, that he also explains like in brackets there. Or they will bribe judges and juries. The personal base of the government should not be changed. Again, they are professionals, we should not recruit people from the street, and so on. Up to the point that the contract for the construction of that bridge over there should be given not to a tender, but to reliable contractor with whom we, are, we, are, we have been working for a long time. Those with such ideas will not be Putinists or communists at all. They will once again call themselves Democrats and liberals. Real life is complicated, hard, and full of compromises with unpleasant people. However, at least we, uh, we ourselves should not become unpleasant people and welcome corruption and cynical fraud even before circumstances require compromise. I'm very afraid that the battle of principles may be lost again under the slogans of Realpolitik. Please advise me on how to get rid of this hatred and fear. I would be very interested in reading some of your thoughts on this. I'll ask for feedback to be sent to me if there is any. For now it seems to me there is nothing better to do than to stay true to yourself and tirelessly explain to people with numerous examples he highly recommends the book Spin Dictators by Gurdjieff and Treisman that democratic principles, pragmatism, independent judiciary, fair elections and equality of all before the law are the best mechanisms of harsh real life on the way to prosperity. Only when the vast majority of the Russian opposition consists of those who under no circumstances accept fake elections, improper judicial proceedings and corruption, then we will be able to make the right use of the chance that will surely come again, so that no one in 2055 will be reading Sharansky's book in the Shizo thinking, wow, it's just like me. And this took some time, this took some time, but I had to read it properly, because, um, yeah, well... As you, as you heard here, Mr. Navalny wants some feedback for this. And, uh, you know, as a journalist and as someone who, well, is quite familiar with what fear and loathing means and what it should mean and when you should use the words and when you shouldn't use them and how all this works, oh, I have some feedback for all this article as well. And no, don't worry. Navalny himself, by the way, is, is not to blame at all in this case. His team, however... Yeah, I know. If, if any of you, any one of you uh, sees Viktor Milov or, or these guys on Twitter, ask them some interesting questions. You really should. Because, well, because there's a lot to ask and a lot to criticize. Because you see, this is not the original version. This is the English version. And there's also a version in Russian. And those versions are, um, to, put it, to put it mildly, not the same and of varying qualities. But um, let's get down to this from the beginning. This just shows a huge trend in the whole Russian liberal opposition society, especially including the very media people who, um, you know, whom Navalny is criticizing. But um, okay, I have to interrupt this episode for, for just a second now. See, I was recording this, and this is where I take my natural break, because I have uh, read to you the whole letter and then I want to start commenting on it 
And then I just looked at everything and was like, oh, look, I have a, I have a, a, a message from Twitter. Which is now X, of course. And I thought, well, well, maybe my, maybe, maybe my appeal has like come up because you know, I, I paused the recording and I take a look at it and I'm like, well, this this might be interesting. What's up? Turns out it wasn't my appeal. Turns out that um, instead of an appeal, Twitter tried to charge my bank card for the blue Twitter blue subscription. Well, X blue subscription. Now, thankfully, this is Sunday, and my bank does not get my PayPal money to me on weekends, which means I'm a bit of a bum tonight. I do not have 9.68 euros on card at the time. I have, like, maybe four or five. I'll get my Patreon money and all this stuff tomorrow. But, um... Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to attach this screenshot to, to this episode, but I just think that um, if they ban you and they deny your services... Then they should also kind of cancel your subscription because I can't do it. Extra bonus points is because I'm suspended, I can't even access my profile, and I can't do anything in the settings. So there's like no way of me even disabling these automatic payments. I mean, sorry guys, but I can uh, objectively state that Elon Musk is such a scumbag and, and such a bum that he needs to scam, scam Latvian journalists to survive. Something hasn't been thought out properly here. I mean, but how? I cannot use any paid features if you have suspended me. I'm pretty sure this isn't really legal. (laughs) At any rate, as I'm not on Twitter, and if you are, a screenshot will be attached to the Eastern Board LV homepage. Please go there, take a look, and you can write my story about (laughs) 21, because this is just... This is just silly. But I had to enter enter it here. Okay, now continuing on with, with Navalny. See, that's the problem here. Navalny himself probably wrote this letter while in prison on some sort of sheet of paper, I presume. No one gives them computers. And then it was somehow handed over and given to the to his lawyer, right? And then someone, and the language was like in Russian. In Russian, it's much much more formal and, and precise. And then Navalny's team, who, by the way, let me remind you, all live in Western Europe, then they had to translate it. And um, he criticizes a bunch of people who can't do things right or whatever. But let me remind you that uh, there was a person, Dmitry Volkov, who was fired from Navalny's team recently because he was lobbying for the very things that Navalny so much hates here. Maybe it was tied together, but uh, he tried to, you know, lobby for removal of sanctions from some people. But that's not a problem. The problem is that um, Navalny's team is big. Navalny's team is very big. And they have funds. And they have sponsors. They have a lot of, like, a lot of things. I mean, it's not like they are just some... Random people, they get, you know, parliament funds as well. Like, they have offices, and they get everything. At the same time, Navalny picks a name that quite obviously doesn't represent anything of him. Then he just writes a letter, and his team butchers the English language translation. I mean, out of all, all the things... Someone in Navalny's team took less effort 
and he's well paid. This took less effort of, of accurately translating what Navalny said than I do with my episodes and my translations. Obvious grammar errors. Sentences that are directly word for word translated from, from Russian, even without any thought or reason or whatever. And this kind of shows their attitude, you know. I mean, if you if you listen, if you just see this this letter just in English, it might seem more or less normal to you, possibly a bit weird. However, if you have read like the original one, original Russian one letter, reads and sounds like something that a lawyer would write. This was just um, a weird thing, and I don't even know. I think people in the Vinny's team have just been using the Vinny's name for so long, and they have been just at it for such a long time that right now they just, maybe they don't care. Because truly, I do not believe they couldn't get someone. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads from their whole team that actually knows English well enough. Now again, truth to be told, the, the Russians, all of them, they have problems with English. And I think that comes because, you know, they got everything um, dubbed when they were kids. I had a lot of subs, but, you know, nothing got dubbed or voiced over it at all. We had to... We had to focus on, on a lot of these things and we have to, had to really, you know, try to be more careful of everything. We had to learn other languages here in Latvia because we're a small nation, nothing is dubbed. And this shows the attitude thing, you see. I find it kind of funny that Navalny speaks so much about Western values, about uh, how he wants to make the choice for Europe, how he holds all these values very dear to him and how he claims that he knows these values at the same time he doesn't seem to know the value of uh, like if you are a professional organization and you are you know really professional out there to make simple stupid grammar mistakes that looks silly this is something that James Palmer from Foreign Policy magazine would never allow to be to get published and again this is not on the binding the binding wrote everything in Russian in perfect nice words gave it to his lawyer 
And then Navalny's team just, you know, made it really bizarre. I mean, it makes sense. You can understand what he's saying there. But but to me, this just shows that, uh, that this is kind of fake. I mean, it shows the fakeness out there, doesn't it? If it, at least it makes Navalny look fake. I'm probably sure that it's most likely his team that has just gotten used to this whole attention and playing Navalny card all over while he's suffering for them in prison. But I don't believe you anymore. I don't believe their team. I don't believe Maxim Katz and Vindictov also. The, his attacks on those people were fine. Absolutely fine. But reading those attacks while you claim to be very Western, very European, and you can't, cannot observe the very basic rules of the Western world. I mean, I can I can make mistakes because I'm not a super famous politician. I'm not, you know, sitting in Euro Parliament with a massive team around me and tons of funds. Well, not around him, but basically Vladimir Milov runs the whole team. I'm not getting European funding and, and meeting uh, like deputies and everyone all the time. I'm I'm not a, such a huge figure with public responsibility, at least his team has a public responsibility for Navalny. He's, he's so important and he's like so crazy. Because this whole thing about respecting your audience, at least, but respecting your audience and, and, and trying your best. And not like not like I couldn't, uh, you know, at least in Foreign Policy Magazine, I'm pretty sure most people would understand if, if the words would be simpler or something, but... It's a precise thing, articles on conveying meanings. And you have to respect the intelligence of your audience. This is why Foreign Policy Magazine enforces their own style and everything that they do. It's because, you know, it's being read by so many people, all the ambassadors and everything. It's, it's a magazine that's read by people in this whole sphere. And you respect the people's intelligence there. I sometimes explain stuff to you but I also respect your intelligence, especially if you're on Discord, because we all are there, basically. We don't have to go and explain basic rules to you. You probably have listened to Dan Carlin. I presume that you also like to sometimes read books and that you like to use your head. And I have spent so much time actually trying to improve my English skills. I'm trying to use good language, even though that's hard lately since, well... I go to sleep pretty late and uh, thinking in multiple languages is difficult. However, again, I do not have a paid team around me. Which is just... Just so strange. I don't get it. And... And this is the just the basic respect. I'm, I'm thinking that this English version on the site was just put out there so that they could say that they have put out an English version for their fellow, fellow Russian liberals who have just as poor English skills. That knowledge, by the way, always kind of freaks me out. Maxim Kotz, the guy that he attacks, that he now li- that now lives in Israel and does like all sorts of businessy things, and he also claims to be a liberal guy. He used to play professional poker, and he apparently has studied in the United States. And his English is like super poor. Like, how can you have finished university in the United States without even knowing it properly? Other guy, Michael Naki, whom I also follow, yeah, he also doesn't know English. They just don't know those languages. So they, you know, speak... This is why, by the way, Michael Naki thinks about, you know, bad things about me. And you can have accents, and I don't mind those things. 
and people can like not know one language, know other languages, and be it's it's not mandatory. But uh, if you haven't, if you're at this level, this is just unprofessional, and to put a name like fear and loathing on it, and then to just obviously show that you haven't read the books, and then to to make grammar mistakes like that over there. With a paid team, no less. I mean, it's funny how these mistakes are made in an article that says, you know, that talks about corruption or something, because it's pretty obvious that someone did a bad job or was just, you know, hired as, you know, as they weren't exactly, um, they weren't picked, the guys who translated this this uh, for their language skills, apparently. Or the proofreader might be bad. Anyway, some someone somewhere is slacking off and doing the thing, the very thing Navalny tries to tries to say that he hates, and maybe he hates that. But Navalny's theme—that's a whole different story. And this attitude, this attitude towards the fact that they can, you know, skip these rules, do something else, and that doesn't matter, and at the same time claim that they know all the proper T's and proceedings and everything—that's just strange. And the same, by the way, is with um, also other other people on, on the same, same spectrum. It's kind of funny when um, when you know I try to fix these situations, but when when, when I hear that very same Michal, say Michal Maxim Kotz or Michael Maki, they they criticize Institute for Study of War, right? But um, they do it mockingly, and they. But when they comment on Western sources, by the way, Michael Mackey thinks that uh, I'm some sort of his enemy and doesn't talk to me, so he doesn't listen to this, so that's nice. But, you know, the, the usual sentence is like every time they make their opposition things, they have to make a joke about and all uh, about all Western reporters, and they do this and they do that, sometimes with, a, sometimes with a bit of a mocking thing about, you know, what do these guys understand? There's always this feeling in, in, in this these circles. I've, I had spoken about this, about this condescending attitude of being a Russian liberal. This condescending attitude that you always think that you are the best one, the smartest one in the room. Because probably inside Russia, you probably were. But then, but then at one point you stop being that. And it really truly shows that, uh, yeah. Navalny's theme... Navalny's team basically just showed that they're not that different. Because I just, you know, don't believe them at all. Why would why would this happen? This is a cultural thing, and I'm going to lots of tangents, but I didn't know. I, it seems so silly that you can claim to like all these Western things and, and use such a loud name as Fear and Loathing in your article, and then the guy who has to proofread it doesn't do his job, and the translation is significantly differs from the original Russian, with different words and and places it's been it's been like Chad GPT'd. Um, I hope Navalny gets 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 to hear about this and maybe you know uh, fires a bunch of people if he can do that. But Navalny's team, they're sitting in Europe, and you know first impressions are obviously those that. Uh, they're just there because they want to be in Europe themselves. They want to be the good guys. They postulate all these ideals and everything. And at the same time, these are the very same people who like to criticize Western countries for not doing enough and not helping enough. And, and you know, 
all of our bureaucracy and, you know, all the hypocrisy about actually buying some things from, like, when private businesses in, in Western countries buy stuff from Russia and the government does not oppress them, then these guys, all of them, journalists, Navalny's team, everyone, then they like to say, look at these evil Western countries, you know, shaking their hand and saying that this is bad. What they don't get is that this is the exact same thing that Navalny wrote about today. We can boycott those businesses and we can deal with them, but everything has to be following the law. This shows, you know, just shows again that, um, yeah, the whole idea that Navalny is going to be some savior, <laughs> that he's going to build closer ties to the West and everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he does. But again, seems to me that if Navalny writes his first ever letter from getting this his, this new massive, massive 19-year-old prison sentence, then, you know, your team's current leader, Vladimir Milov, for example, the economist guy, at least someone, you know, should be just paying attention to how everything's done. I mean... You can do many things wrong, and I, if this would be some random article, it wouldn't be a problem. But um, this is literally your leader guy from whom you take all your legitimacy, and this is the most important article you have out there. This is the big story. This is something that you should be paying attention to. This is Navalny's first big speech. And apparently Vladimir Milov and other people in Navalny's team couldn't give enough shits to just proofread it. And I'm not, not even a native English speaker. I, I I fully respect James Palmer, who edits me in Foreign Policy magazine, because then, you know, that's the moment when I understand that my English is not that good. But even I can spot the stylistic things and, and, and the stupid grammar errors and, and just purely stupidly translated sentences. Why Why am I worried about this and not Navalny's team leaders? Was this, was this maybe intentional? Was this sabotage? Because this has been up since 11th, today's 13th. I mean, didn't, didn't any one of you there just read this thing? Didn't anyone tell you that this has been mistranslated? Do we now forgive huge teams with, with stuff that they can make such mistakes and use fear and loathing there? Also, if they had pick, just picked another name, I'd be like, oh yeah, fine, they do this, but... No, 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 this is Navalny we're talking about. And using fear and loathing on such a, such a thing is bad. Ideas are good, but this is the point where... Sorry, Navalny. You gotta change something. Or not Navalny, but Mr. Milov or anyone out there. Because your claims that you know Europe and everything... Do you even know how corporate culture works? Have you even read some the way how documents and statements look like? Because Navalny, yes, he's a martyr, but he's also a politician. And if this, is, if this is a public letter from a politician who is in certain situations, who is a political prisoner, whom you want everyone in Europe to support and understand, then uh, you should probably make it right. You sh you can't afford to hire someone to do that for you. Someone will read this, and someone will forgive you, obviously. But um, Mr. Navalny, Mr. Milov, 
I know how Europe Parliament works, and I know that you need allies there. And the bureaucracy is there for a reason. And I also, you know, don't post my first drafts to Foreign Policy magazine. There's a lot of editing involved. There's a lot of everything involved in this. And you, I can understand, you know, pushing out the first thing and then fixing it a bit later. But today is the 13th. You pushed out your document on the 11th. To me, this just shows that they have just pushed it out, never bothered, no one bothered to reread this, no one bothered to proofread this. Well, Mr. Navalny and Navalny's team, I do have to say that it uh, makes me feel sad that you're literally doing an aspect of the very thing that you criticize. And not like Cots and everyone else is like much better. What they're doing right now is yelling at each other about who's right and who's wrong and who's the best of Putin's haters, who's the best of the cool dudes who are now against Putin. I have to quote Nevzorov here. This is why this is the only guy that I like. I mean, Alexander Nevzorov, you could also call him liberal opposition, except he's super snarky and my mentor. And also the only one that lives in Ukraine because Zelensky gave him citizenship personally. And he really laughed at these people, you know, these these impotent, weird people who just already divide up the future of Russia, think about all these big plans, claim to be very European, and just argue. They argue about who is the most correct of all these good Russians. I do have to mention, mention Michael Naki. He doesn't know English, but I know he doesn't do this bullshit. He also doesn't work in English, and, and he's together with Ruslan. So if someone listens to Michael Naki or watches him, hey, he's also one of the good guys. A bit of a less snarkier degree, and sometimes makes jokes about the West, but uh, definitely better than others. But all these people, they, uh, they kind of live in different realities. I think, I think I start to understand why no one really liked the whites as well, and the whole Bolshevik Revolution. Because I don't know. You you might think that I'm, you might think that I'm maybe overextending this stuff and, and being angry about grammar errors and everything. But again, this is just this is just silly. Because this not giving a shit and not caring is exactly the same thing that is everywhere in, in Russia and Russian government. Because no one cares, no one ever cares. This is why corruption exists all over the place. This, ah, uh, just, just you know, I'll paste it and it's going to be there for the paper and I'm done. You know, just really, really just systematic not giving a shit about what you do. And your team really needs to. You wanted some feedback, Mr. Navalny, in your team. This is the feedback. I'm telling you this is a person who truly, genuinely loves what I do. Put a lot of effort in. And I feel bad when some of my episodes, like yesterday's one, which was quite hard to record because I'm not an economics expert, especially with the whole long quotes with very kind of difficult English words that I tried to pronounce correctly and it was very late at night and all this stuff. I feel bad about much tinier mistakes than you. And I do not claim to be the future leader of Russia. And I am not used as a member of legitimacy 
Because all of Navalny's team is based upon the fact that their guy was poisoned and then went to prison. And now he's there for 19 years. Sadly, sadly, currently, this just shows that, yeah, those people who think that something's going to change if Navalny would get into power or his team. No, I don't think so. I mean... That it's one thing to claim these loud ideas and, and claim that you're super pro-European to people out of whom most have never been to Europe. But it's completely different to try to pretend to to care about writing an article than calling it fear and loathing to a person who also knows how all this bureaucracy works. And if the Russian article wouldn't just be so much better... I'd write down the violin himself as well. But it is. But uh, Mr. Milov, you have some really fixing of your team to do. Because uh, if I was you, I'd um, just fix all that stuff up yesterday. It's gone out in quotes already everywhere. Errors and all. Oh. <sighs> Just show you the whole tendencies and things. This made me kind of sad, really, because, again, if I, as I started out with just reading the English letter myself, it seemed like, yeah, there are grammars and whatever, it's fine. Maybe Navalny wrote it himself or something. But then you find, find out that, no, the Russian version is much better and that the translator just didn't care and that they didn't care for two days more. <sighs> it's the little things. Because, again, if you claim to be the leader of Russian political opposition and the number one guy, the number one opposition leader in your whole country of Russia, well, then don't, don't really be surprised that at least according to Western traditions, you have a bit higher standard of ethics, of professionality, of attitude towards work that you do have to observe. It is what it is. This is how you know, people ask me, why am I working so hard all the time and, and, you know, how I can't stop and everything. It's because I know that, at least in my country, I am the largest and oldest. And and if I'll start slacking off, what kind of a, what kind of a thing this is going to be? What, what, what's it going to show to new, new guys over here in Latvia if I stop working? So, yeah, just a bit sad because it started out so promising because his ideas is written in Russian, actually pretty decent, quite okay. But yeah, you asked for feedback. Well, there you go. You're probably never going to listen to this episode, but uh, hey, who knows? Maybe at some point you will. Oh, and now I need steam. If you want someone that can actually translate that stuff, you can just contact me. I'm not that far away. You can cover my nine nine euros and sixty eight cents payment to, to Twitter each month, which I have no use of or something. Ugh, just silly. Okay, I'm gonna have more articles to write, and tomorrow is gonna be a full big news episode. But I just. I wanted this to be shorter, but then again, this really struck me because all the things, the subject matter, the name, the errors, the, the irritation, the fact that he calls for criticism and the fact that this whole thing is symptomatic of the very thing that he tries to... Oh, 
rabbit hole of waving angry, rabbit hole of being angry, professionally angry, and just losing some faith in all these people. Kind of weird. At any rate, a bit, a bit of advertisement time. Uh, we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash border. Please do consider joining because, you know, that's really nice. You're paying our bills and you're fixing our, our stuff because all the expenses expenses are out there. Really thankful to all of you who are patrons. I will be sending hats to the people who uh, bought them tomorrow. We still have some spares, so you could, should join our Discord. I think the links are mostly everywhere. Just uh, if you type in the Eastern Border Discord, you'll find it as well. It's pretty easy to do if you you haven't done any IT stuff. Uh, if you have kids, you can ask them. They'll they'll guide you to it. It's a really nice, awesome community. We watch movies there. We watched uh, Doctor Strangelove when I arrived, and we had a nice chat while doing so. We've also watched the like, Twelve Chairs and everything. And I'll figure out the next date when we're going to watch movies together. That's for patrons only. Or you can go to the Eastern Border LV and just you know click the donate button there. Also helps the show. And uh, on both of these sites, both Patreon and the Eastern Border LV, you can uh, listen to all the episodes without ads, without a cost ads. That is, on that this middle recordings on on the bigger edited episodes are are still there. Which reminds me, I have to have to send some stuff to her. And now I have to plan out because I still want to talk to Advent of Computing. That'd be cool. But yeah, gotta write a bit more because I want to finish those articles and then then record because otherwise my head will be a mess. And tomorrow, the massive news update about the current situation on the front, all the stories from Ukraine, and everything in one one nice package. At least I hope so. But uh, we'll see. But hey, you get to experience a bit longer episodes than usual at this point. До свидания, товарищи. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.